Poland, uh, things that come to mind, not a whole lot, no. <laughs> Poland, probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages. No, I don't know anything about that country. Poland, sausages, <laughs> pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Hi, it's me, Margaret Bonikowska, your podcast host and producer. Podcast is produced in Toronto, Canada, and it's the only English language podcast, not just about Poland, but also about Poles around the world and many interesting connections of others with Poland. You can learn all about Polcast and check out the fascinating stories featured so far on our website, www.mypolcast.com. What do we talk about when we think Christmas, Polish Christmas, any other Christmas? It's usually food, what we eat, how we serve the food, and so on and so on. Well, this time, I want to do something very different. I want to talk about another aspect of Christmas, which for many of us, I think, is extremely important, and that is music. It's pre-Christmas time, so I thought it would be a great idea to talk about the musical side of Christmas. This is why I invited somebody special, Joanna Czapka-Sangster. She lives in Edmonton and is a musician. She's going to be talking about herself in a few minutes. And I just want you to listen to her wonderful stories about Polish and not only Polish Christmas music traditions. Joanna, it's quite amazing. We're talking across Canada. You're so far away from me. Do we know how far you are from Toronto in Edmonton? Oh, isn't it like 4,000 miles? Thousands of kilometers. I'm very happy to welcome you to Polkath the first time, but I hope not the last one. I am very, very happy to be your guest, uh, Malgosiu. I feel honored. I am a violinist, raised and educated in Poland. I grew up in Sopot and went to, to music school in Gdańsk. And then I um, became a student of Academy of Music in Poznan, where I graduated my master's. I was lucky to play in a few really good orchestras in Poland. And then um, the times were kind of uh, difficult. I was always curious about the world. I was lucky to travel with the orchestras around Europe. And then I uh, spent almost two years in Egypt uh, on Pagard. A contract, um, Polish art agency. And then my best friend was a cello player, he immigrated to Canada. And we kind of couldn't live without each other because we were kind of soulmates musically and uh, personally. So I came and visited her here and I never left. <laughs> <laughs> when was that? Which year was that? And it was 1992. Also, at the same time, I was granted a scholarship to further my studies, actually, in the University of Miami. Um, I thought uh, at first that I would just stop and visit with my friends here in Edmonton, and then I'll continue my journey to Miami. Uh, however, 
my application papers for the, um, the University of Miami got lost in the mail, believe it or not. Amazing, <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> Total coincidence. And a few months uh, uh, later, I I met uh, my my husband, Kent Sangster, who is a saxophonist here in Edmonton, who actually graduated um, University of Miami. <laughs> So that Miami that you never got to, he graduated from that university. Exactly. That was very funny. That is quite a story, right? So it's 28 years that you have been in Edmonton. And uh, what do you do there now professionally? I am a core member of uh, Edmonton Symphony Orchestra, as well as um, Alberta Baroque Ensemble. I also play in various um, chamber groups here, have my own quartet. Mm-hmm. And something, a project that we have, uh, uh, we uh, formed with um, Kent, my husband, uh, Obsessions Octet. It's a combination of classical, uh, jazz, and tango. We've been playing together for 15 years, recorded four CDs. If anybody is interested, just today we launched a new website, www.obsessionsoctet.com. So obviously you're the best person to talk to about Christmas music. And uh, as I said before, this Christmas has somehow in, in many people's minds been reduced to food. And I think it's equally important to talk about art and especially music, right? I cannot imagine Christmas without music. Like I think I could do without carp or, you know, barst or ushka, but I cannot imagine Christmas without music. Well, because you're a musician, you're an artist. So obviously this is uh, very important. But I think in many uh, many families, what has happened is people in the older uh, times used to sing carols together. But I I realize that I think that tradition is not that popular anymore. Singing carol, caroling at home. Yes, Yes, Mm -hmm. maybe. I, you know, hard to say. I try Mm -hmm. to sing carols with my kids. We dance to them as well. Just oh, you dance to them as well. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's also because uh, quite a few of them are actually um, Poloneses or like Buksirodzi, przybierzali do Betlejem. They're all Polish dances, actually, that are danceable. I never thought about it, but it's true. When I now sing it in my mind, I can actually feel that this is a Polonaise. Joanna, what you promised to do is take us on a little trip around the world, I would say, with, of course, mostly concentrating on Poland, but not only, to talk about Christmas music. Where do we start? Um, Why don't we start where we are right now? Because, to be honest, my experience in Canada uh, taught me um, a lot. Of course, one would hope so. Uh, Musically as well, especially about Christmas music. Because a tradition here, it's actually British tradition, around Christmas, one of the most important performances that people who love music uh, must attend is uh, Messiah by Handel, George Frederick Handel. It's an oratorium about life and death of uh, Jesus Christ the greatest um, piece of music that made Handel most famous. And what's interesting in Europe, other than Great Britain, of course, this piece is performed around Easter time because of its famous Alleluia chorus that is the most recognizable part 
uh, of that oratorium, also not only because of the music, but also because of the story, uh, which uh, was that uh, King George II stood up when uh, the, it was premiered uh, in 1741. Of course, there's different stories, right? He stood up. There are legends about it. It's one that he thought that the music was so fantastic and beautiful that he honored the beauty of the music. But there's also stories that it happened because he he had enough of sitting already because it's towards the end of the piece. So he needed to stretch his legs. Huh. Nevertheless, it's a tradition, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And every year when we perform here, people stand up when this, this uh, Alleluia chorus uh, is sang. And I will tell you, uh, Mogoshu, I always have shivers and tears in my eyes. Messiah is really both kind of Christmas and Easter. But that part about Christmas, this is what we're going to play now. Yes, Pifa. It's a pastoral. It's about Jesus Christ's birth. is not the only non-Polish, very, very, very typical Christmas um, piece of music. There's also this incredible other one by Tchaikovsky, which is so much closer to home, right? Because this is yeah. Russian. That piece has become a real traditional, iconic part of Christmas in, in our continent. Uh, yes, I would say also in Europe, actually. Uh, it's, however, it's not performed before Christmas, like here, uh, but after. From what I remember, um, our ballet, Baltic um, and Baltic Opera in Gdańsk, uh, usually had formed um, Nutcracker, Dziadek do Orzechów in Polish, uh, after Christmas. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. Uh, again, uh, when I was growing up, I never actually attended performance of uh, Nutcracker. So I learned the entire piece in my Canadian life, I would say. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I love this piece. I never get tired of playing it, never get tired of listening to it. This story is so magical and the musical depiction of of the stories that are happening in the ballet by Tchaikovsky are so brilliant and so warm. I love it. As I say, it's not a piece from my childhood. I guess it's just beauty of the music. So is there any particular part of the Nutcracker that... For you, it's like almost symbolic uh, of Christmas. Oh, uh, there's so many of them. Of course, the Sugar Plum Fairy, uh, when um, Tchaikovsky, um, for the first time, used celeste, the instrument that was not known uh, at the time when he wrote, I think is the most recognizable one. But also um, toy soldiers. I think we're going to play a tiny little bit of that. So let's listen to this March of Toy Soldiers, which is so beautiful, by Peter Piotr Polish Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. 
been here in, on our continent, North America, but I think we will now move to Europe, right, Yasha? Tak, yes, yes. Let's uh, travel to Europe, which also uh, there are various um, Christmas traditions. Uh, there's a tradition of performances of cantatas by Johann Sebastian Bach, who wrote cantatas for every Sunday in Europe. Uh, the Christmas tradition is um, a little bit more related to solemn religion. The time uh, from the beginning of December to uh, Christmas is called Advent. It's the time of uh, waiting, uh, time of uh, preparing yourself for arrival uh, of the baby Jesus. And it's a quiet time. It's completely different than the North American tradition, especially in Polish tradition some time ago. Um, there's no... Uh, caroling, no singing carols. Um, there's a contemplation, therefore, music of Johann Sebastian Bach uh, fits this um, atmosphere, especially that uh, Bach wrote cantata for every Sunday of the liturgical year, and especially beautiful are, and my favorite, for Advent. I would love for you, Arya, from uh, the uh, first uh, Sunday of Advent by Johann Sebastian Bach, who, by the way, is one of my uh, favorite, favorite and the most genius composers. And it's true, right, that Advent is it's a time of reflection and it's a time of preparing yourself. So let's listen to, the, uh, to Bach's cantata. podcast is about Poland, but Poles around the world as well. So let's talk about the beautiful Polish music tradition of Christmas, which is quite outstanding. And uh, I agree with you that it's hard to, to imagine Polish Christmas without um, carols, but they're not only carols. As I mentioned before, singing carols wasn't allowed until uh, Christmas Eve in Poland. And the same uh, went also for decorating the Christmas tree. It always has been a great surprise to many of my non-Polish friends when they would have had, you know, their, their Christmas tree decorated since, I don't know, at least beginning of December. And they would be, what? You mean you haven't decorated your Christmas tree? Of course not. When are you decorating your Christmas tree? Well, on Christmas Eve. And it was like, what? Now I think it's becoming a much more well-known fact, but that's what we're supposed to do, right? This is this is the tradition that you nicely explained is because of the advent of not doing it anything festive until the day of. Which in Polish tradition is Vigilia, which is Christmas Eve. Main celebration, isn't it? At midnight mass, that's when the miracle happens at night, right? That's why right. we are looking for the first star. We, first star we, to sit at the table and eat our dinner. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's all connected to 
first to something that is first. Name Kolenda comes mm-hmm. from Latin Kalendar, which means the first. The Kalendar was the song that was sang um, at the beginning of January as well. So interesting, right? That the English word carol is in fact derived from the old French word carole, which is right. a circle dance accompanied by singers. So it's a very different etymology of these words. The Polish carols were... Which is kolende. Kolenda. You know what? We're not going to use the word carols. We're going to use with our podcast listeners, listen, guys, you're going to have to learn one word today, which is kolende. Kolende. Okay, so yeah. kolende means carols, and Joanna is going to use the word kolende, and everybody will be using the word kolende. We're not talking about carols. We're talking about kolende. Yes, because they are Polish. Exactly. <laughs> and they come from a very different etymological source. The oldest uh, kolenda mm-hmm. uh, goes back to 1424, believe it or not. It's called Zdruv Bądź Królu Anielski. So yeah, we're going to listen to this Zdruv Bądź Królu Anielski, which means be healthy angel king. And it is from the beginning of the 15th century, which is 600 years ago. forwarding about 300 years I believe to talk about one of the I think most beautiful and most well-known Polish kolenda which is Buksierodzi. Buksierodzi actually uh, yes was uh, written about the same time as Żłobieleży uh, mm-hmm. which is recognized as the, the oldest right after Zdrów Bądź Królu Anielski. Żłobieleży uh, as well as Buksierodzi are both Polonaise. That's <laughs> what we dance to at home. But also I used to play in a very interesting ensemble um, directed by the priest, uh, Józef Wilczyński, who taught me religion, actually, and Gdańsk uh, and music school where I went to. So are we going to play a little bit of Bukserodzi? Yes, please. It's one of my favorite, and uh, everybody will be able to now. From now on, everybody will recognize the colonists. Yes.
And I think now you're going to talk about my favorite kolenda. I don't think there's any other that is so moving. Every time I hear it, it tears come to my eyes. Do you like Yeah. So you like it as much as I do? Everything you described, um, I feel as well, actually. It's um, very lyrical. It was uh, composed in the second half of 18th century. One of the most famous, actually, it's, it's a middle part of uh, Scherzo in B minor uh, by Frédéric Chopin. And the, the special story about it is that Chopin wrote it in Vienna, just when he left Poland, being only 20 years old. It was his first Christmas um, that he was actually spending outside of Poland. He was lonely. November uprising in, in 1830 just started in, in Poland. His heart was broken and weeping, missing Poland. That's right. And it's all there in that beautiful kolenda. And it also was sang by Polish legions and, and other patriotic movements. It's a, it's a very patriotic song, actually. Right. Have you ever played it in Edmonton? At official concerts? Yes. No, I unfortunately I haven't. However, um, on the, the last Sunday before Christmas on CBC Radio uh, 2, which I usually listen to, uh, entire day is dedicated to Christmas concerts um, that are being performed in the capitals of Europe. Mm -hmm. And for many, many years, there's always one from Warsaw. Very often uh, they perform. It's actually a lullaby. It's a lullaby to the little baby Jesus. Well, that was very, very beautiful. I have to tell you right away, we have just decided that it's not going to fit into one episode. There's totally no way. And also, uh, we know that there is a tradition when you're not even supposed to touch your beautifully decorated Christmas tree before the 6th, I guess. Yes, January the 6th. Yes. Three wise men. <laughs> uh, right. So we will do part two of this when uh, you're going to hear a lot more and very, very interesting stories. Not only about kolendy, which are very religious, but also about what we call in Polish pastorauki. But let's go back for a little while and let's talk about this one carol slash kolenda, which is so popular. It has a Polish version and that's Cichanoc, which is... 
Silent, Silent Night. Night. Okay, yes. talk about that a little bit. It's so beautiful. Silent Night uh, celebrated 200 years anniversary uh, two years Ooh. ago because uh, it was composed in 1818 in Austrian uh, town Oberndorf uh, near Salzburg. And the melody was written by Franz Gruber. Uh, I kind of have this imprinted in my head because I performed this so many times, sang it so many times. It's not Kolenda, uh, mm. however, it's so beautiful that, for instance, I usually dedicate it uh, to my mom uh, because that's her favorite Kolenda mm -hmm. for Christmas and uh, send it to her uh, in Poland. The original performance uh, happened with a guitar uh, and in the little church in uh, Oberndorf, uh, because the organ was not uh, working because mice ate uh, the pipes and the organ was broken. Uh, and maybe that's why uh, that tune, that Colenda, that Carol, Silent Night, feels extremely. This was also performed by our very, very, very wonderful friends in Toronto, Cabaret Podbanko who had a music school, Mavo Academy of Arts and Music. And it was a school for Polish children. I mean, I should say Canadian children, because these are children born in Canada who actually spoke and sang in Polish. And uh, they made an album, a beautiful album for, of Christmas songs and Christmas uh, carols. It's been special to talk to somebody who is a musician and who knows it and who feels it and who plays it and who sings it and even dances it, which is <laughs> Tell me about Christmas in your family. You're married to a Canadian guy, is that right? Yes, yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And your children are half Canadian, half Polish. What kind of tradition is there in your household? What do you do for Christmas? It's absolutely from the very beginning, um, a celebration of uh, Christmas Eve. And there was a discrepancy between when do we open presents, uh, when the of Santa course. Claus comes, right? <laughs> so that was kind of no negotiable, not negotiable in, in our case. Of course, it was Christmas Eve. 
<laughs> All right, you're a strong woman. <laughs> but uh, but but we did we do have actually a little bit of Canadian as well because we opened the stocking uh, on Christmas. So kids are happy because they have it both ways. <laughs> Absolutely, I make Christmas Eve um, supper vigilia. Uh, it's a very special uh, celebration, and I usually try to make 12 dishes. As per tradition. <laughs> Those dishes are uh, beloved, I must say. And so uh, my kids, my family, uh, like all the food, even, uh, you know, sauerkraut with mushrooms and all types of fish. With one exception, herring. Oh, herring. Uh, herring. Oh, herring. They don't like herring. Oh. No. So I make. <laughs> I always make at least two types of herrings, and which I, I have to eat all by myself or with oh. any Polish guest. We also are lucky. Um, every year I receive uh, opłatek. Yes, so the host or the Polish wafer, whatever. The Polish wafer, mm-hmm. and which uh, my mom sent me from Sopot, um, where she gets this in a, in my parish, in, in church in Sopot. So that's very special. And then we have turkey on Christmas. Oh, you have turkey, of course. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so that's the best of two worlds. You get the best of two worlds. And on the second day of Christmas, which I returned by I never yeah. went uh, for any any shopping on Boxing Day, no. which I, so it's not I would never shopping, do. Yeah. I make duck uh, ah, with that apples. Pretty nice. Or wow. goose. You know, that was the tradition at my home. Joanna, we wish you and your family, your kids, your husband, everybody so far away in Edmonton. We wish you the best Christmas ever. And let's let's hope this is the last one with the pandemic when we can't meet people in the normal way. But thank you for all these incredible insights into the history of Polish Kolendy. And I'm very happy that we will meet again and we will have our January episode of, of podcast when we talk about another part of our Christmas traditions, which is pastorauki, which are not necessarily religious, slightly different in their character, but they're very special. So thank you. Merry Christmas to you, Wesołych Świąt. Thank you, Małgosiu. Thank you so much. I wish all the same to you and to all the listeners. I feel uh, very privileged and happy that I could share uh, my feelings, my knowledge connected to Polish Christmas and to Kolendy. And I wish all of you very merry and beautiful Christmas, the last one in the pandemic. And is there any chance that you may play something for us next time? With pleasure. I will play for you. I I love that. Okay, thank you so much, (laughs) Johanna. Bye-bye. Thank you. Wow, that was quite amazing. She's gone. And I, I now I just want to tell you how special I feel about this um, particular episode. This year, it's um, a very unusual Christmas uh, where we will, some of us at least, spend this Christmas alone or alone like in our nuclear families. And I only hope that this is the first and last Christmas of this kind and that we never have to experience it again. So what do I wish you? Well, I wish you to listen to us and um, to listen to the good, beautiful messages of love and understanding and togetherness, even though we're not together in the physical sense. I think we are together in spirit, in thoughts, in feelings. Maybe this is going to be the time when you will have enough time 
rather than rush and go and buy and cook and clean. When are you going to have this time to spend with um, the people who are closest to you or maybe write those emails or letters, nobody writes letters, to others that maybe you have not contacted for many years because it was always too busy. What I like about this Christmas is that it's going to be a Christmas when we all can reflect. We can all think, we can all go back in our memories, think about people who have maybe left us, but who have been important in our lives. And I do like this. I don't like the pandemic. I don't like people dying. I don't like people suffering. But I do like slowing down. And I think slowing down is what I wish you. I also wish you peace, peace around us, peace around us everywhere in the world. I wish you goodness around you. I wish you good friends, people who wish you well and people that you wish well, people who can help and people who you can help, people who you can rely on, because that's not that common. So, Wesołych This is what we say in Polish, which means Merry Christmas. And I think we will also wish you Happy New Year because we will see you right after New Year. It's new, hopefully better year 2021. Magda Papiš, Ola Turkiewicz, and the kids, who were then little kids, now are adults, in the beautiful album by Mavo Academy of Arts and Music, Christmas Carols. (laughs) 